Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show. But before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcast, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning, best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. It's interesting growing up in America being biracial. More so growing up seeing both sides of the tracks, living in immense poverty in white communities and black communities. And you know what's interesting about this, that most people don't resonate with unless they are from a community like this. And when I say like this, I mean impoverished, below the, the income line, getting government food, WIC. You live in a cheap apartment subsidized through HUD housing. When I say this, that's what I mean. I'm not saying that maybe it doesn't cross barriers into more affluent communities, but I'm saying like where I'm from, this is the this. And the thing that the this, these communities have in common is that we all have historically, at least when I was growing up, had a massive disdain for the police. Now, I know I'm going to lose some of you there, but hold on a second. In today's episode, I have an amazing guest, Chris Sherwin on the podcast. And Chris spent over 20 years in law enforcement and is one of those guys that sees life through a totally different scope. What's really incredible about the way he thinks about the world is his mission is to help police and police departments improve their trust and relationships in the communities that they serve. And one of the things that he's doing as well is helping entrepreneurs do that also. And I wanted to have Chris on the show to have this conversation, one, because he's approaching the conversations around communities and police in a different way. And two, he really honestly opened my eyes to some things that I was blind to, things that I had never taken into consideration. And it's interesting, growing up the way I did, 
having to run from the police, getting shot at by the police, getting in trouble by the police, being in handcuffs more times than I can count. And I will say this, I will point to my own guilt as every one of the reasons why those things happen. But as we look at the world and the society that we live in today, between the movements, between all cops are bastards and people constantly feeling fear of the police, I, I will be honest, I had a little hesitancy sitting down with Chris. And I told him up front, I was like, man, look, I don't know where this conversation's going, but let's just be honest. Let's talk about the mental health impact of the police departments in our communities. Let's talk about the mental health impact of what it's like to be a police officer today when nobody walks the beat and you couldn't even name a cop in your neighborhood if you wanted to. And to be honest, this was a really powerful conversation. And I realize like not everyone's going to understand why I wanted to have this conversation. And that's totally fine. You don't have to listen to this, but I encourage you to. To think about this from a different perspective and a different approach. You know, one of the things that Chris talks about on the show, and I won't get into it so that you can listen, is just the experience of what it's like being a police officer and going into homes knowing that a child had been abused or traumatized. And as you know, the mission and the goal of this show is to end generational trauma through education and information. And my hope is that this episode will do that with a little bit more depth in an area that, to be frank, I think a lot of people are afraid to step into. And so very grateful for Chris and the conversation that we had today. Um, you can learn more about him on thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. We'll have all the links and the show notes. Do me a favor, please leave a review for the show if it brought you any value today. And without further ado, my friends, Chris Sherwin. <laughs> You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns into breakthroughs, and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com, and of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken Podcast. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. Very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest, Chris Sherwin, who is a business and entrepreneur coach. Chris, my friend, how are you today? What is happening in your world? Oh, Michael, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to, to, to start getting on some of these shows like yours and start spreading the word. Um, everything's going good. Just doing my thing. I mean, um, out there trying to, trying to educate people and grow myself and, you know, kind of get the word out there. And that's really about it. How about you? How's we're going with you? Yeah, man. Uh, life is amazing. Every single day I wake up, I'm so happy that I get to do this. And it's, it's such an honor to be here with you today. Um, because I've been looking forward to connecting with you, knowing a bit about your background and your history and what you've done. And I was just like, this dude's super interesting. He's had a journey and I think it's going to be helpful for some, some people, especially, to hear this kind of conversation that we're going to have today. So I've been looking forward to this. For those who do not know you, Chris, tell us a little bit about your backstory, the things and your experiences of your life that have led you to where you are today. Oh my God. Okay. So that could be a show um, or a therapy session, one of the two. So um, Either way. 
But yeah, so I mean, I grew up in uh, Chicago, uh, middle class family. Uh, dad was a teacher, mom was a nurse, and kind of grew up just in a, you know, normal household, you know, strong Polish background, you know, hardworking, that kind of stuff. And I guess I knew from kind of a young age, I knew two things. Uh, one thing is I wanted to go on law enforcement. And the second thing is I did not want to live on a, from a financial perspective that my parents did. Now, everybody kind of says, well, you know, my house was full of love. My house was, we went on vacations. My parents have been married 50 years, you know, emulate their, their marriage was the goal. And it was just from a financial background. I just remember like my mom and dad back in the day, you didn't have to sign a check. And when you sent it to the electric company, they couldn't cash it. So they call you, hey, Mr. Sherwin, you forgot to sign your check. And you're like, oh my God, I'm so, so it would buy us 10 days for electric. So we really didn't have a lot of money. But I knew those were, those were two goals in, in my life. And I, and I knew that young. So, you know, at the age of 10, you know, I started hustling, you know, regular stuff, shoveling snow, cutting grass, getting people to work for me, you know, that kind of stuff. And then just throughout the years, I just kind of just knew that education for me was a big deal. Um, and then, so I, I go through normal teens, you know, football, baseball, basketball, girls, friends, the whole, everything normal. And, um, then I went to school, I went to college and, uh, went to college, got done with a, you know, a couple of degrees in three and a half years. Cause I really wanted to get out and get into, into the working world. And I was working the whole time through doing my hustle, uh, got my master's and I just started getting job, good job after good job. People would call me. I would network um, and I started getting job after job. But all deep down, I knew those two goals were to work in law enforcement to help people, but yet not be broke. And that was a very, that, that's a very, very, very tough, tough gap to, to close. Well, anyway, um, I was a chief financial officer for a company and we had a domestic situation one day. Officers came in, handled their business, did a great job. And I knew that's what I wanted to do. So two weeks later, I started applying, got my first police job, quit my CFO job, which basically my first year of salary as a cop was um, my, my annual bonus at the previous company. So, um, and my wife and I talked, she thought I was absolutely crazy. She just said the only thing she wants to do is, well, you know, she wants to stay home and raise the children. So make it work. So. I go to the academy, I get on the street, start doing my thing. And like every cop, I start working part-time. And then with my business background, I'm like, hey, I could do this, you know, security better, cheaper, and, you know, and, and more efficient. So hence, I started my security business and I was blessed. It, it took off and did well. Meanwhile, working on the streets, having my entrepreneurial, um, my entrepreneurial mindset, uh, you know, working my business and reaching my goals. You know, by doing them both, um, a lot of work, but it's very self-satisfying. Um, I'm a very goal-oriented person. Over the years, um, doing it all, uh, doing both those things, you know, living, you know, living my dream, living my goal, and uh, decided to retire out of Illinois. Uh, retired as a policeman out of Illinois, came down to Florida. I'm a policeman here now. And um during this whole transition, I kind of thought to myself, like, hey, I could help other people do stuff. I could, from an entrepreneur life, life mindset, because people always still say, like, oh, you know, how did you do it or whatever? And to me, it was like, well, I just did it. I mean, I didn't really think about it. I knew where I wanted to go. So I just did it. 
And um, anyway, so that's kind of like where the whole birth of the uh, of the life coaching thing came on. And then uh, during this whole time, there was a couple of things that we'll probably get into later in more detail that happened in my police career that kind of uh, kind of all came together with this whole George Floyd thing, Michael Brown, George Floyd. And being on the street, boots in the ground, in all kinds of different neighborhoods, talking to all kinds of different pe people, there was a huge disconnect, a huge disconnect. So I started a podcast. I called Three Cops Talk with the two, two of my friends that were policemen. And we just started putting out, I, I guess, positive, truthful, hurtful, meaningful, gainful information for people to really realize what the world is like and how we can bring our worlds together and stop the nonsense. So that was, uh, that was kind of like all in my journey. And uh, basically here I am today. Yeah, that's, that's quite the journey, man. You know, it's really interesting because, you know, I, I think that especially in the society and the world we live in, especially in America, and this is an international show, people around the world listen, you know, there, there is such a conflict right now in this country between law enforcement and civilians. And yeah. I think it's, it's dangerous in a lot of ways. And I think one of the unfortunate things, and I'm sure of 20 years of experience, you would agree, it probably comes down to lack of training, lack of funding, the huge amount of pressure you guys are under, so on and so forth. And I, I remember when, when, and I don't know if I've ever said this on the show, when, when, the movement around Black Lives Matter first started happening. Obviously, as someone who is of color, it was really important for me to go march, be in the streets. I had a petition that got over 500,000 signatures to end um, racism in America on change.org. Like I was on the news talking about these things. And, and I shared this story one day. When I was, when I was eight years old, my, my stepfather, who dude, was just the most abusive man you could ever imagine, was just kicking the out of me and my brothers and my grandmother had happened to come home um, or to our house. We shouldn't should live with us. And we're just like huddled up in this corner, crying, covered in bruises, covered in marks, like the whole thing. And, and that day she called the police. And I, I really, to this day, I truly believe that had they not shown up, I probably wouldn't be talking to you. Right. And, and I posted that and dude, people flamed me. They destroyed right. me for sharing this experience where I'm like, not look, not all people in personal development are good. Not all cops are good. Not all everybody is good. Like there's got to be some bad people in the world. What do you think? And I'm, I'm just going straight to this because it matters to me. Sure. And this is why I wanted to have you on the show. How do you, how do we bridge this gap as a society between this conversation about all cops are bastards, which I do not agree with. Some are some ever. I'm a bastard. Sometimes right. everybody is right. How do you, how do you bridge that gap between that and, and people who just, they want safety. They want protection. But we live in such a polarizing country right now. I don't think we can even have this conversation. Well, I, I, the problem is, is that we have to have the conversation. And I think to bridge the gap, you have to have the conversations and you have to have some type of media, whether it's pot, because let's face it, the news isn't going to do it. No, you have not. to have some type of media, right? You have to have some type of media or some type of venue to get, to get out there. Like, so, so here, here's a perfect story. So kind of the way this started is I have a business coach. And we started talking. We were talking about the podcast and stuff like that. And he told me a story about the bass player, that he's in a band. Bass player is a black guy. And they started talking about this. And the guy, the bass player, told my business coach that how he feels 
going to a jewel, which is a grocery store as a black guy. So my coach is telling me this and I'm like, like, how, how do you feel that way? You're a guy going to a grocery store. That's the way I look at it. I mean, you're just a guy going to a grocery store. So we got into this long conversation and it, and it kind of never realized to me that I think of it as a guy going to a grocery store. There are still people in this world that think of it as a black guy going to a grocery store. I'm like, how is that still, how does that still happen? How does it like, I, I just, I, and I don't get it. And, and, and like when I answer a radio call, I don't get on the radio and say, hey, are they white? Are they black? Are they Hispanic? No, these people are in trouble, whoever it is, and they need help and you go. So as I was going through this and I'm thinking about this, I'm like, you just have to get out there and you've got to do something to help the people, everybody understand from each other's aspect of what's going on and how it's not only feel it make a culture um how you feel what makes you feel that way like literally i talked to this guy and he's and i'm like okay dude so it's it, to me i look at this guy going to a grocery store or whatever he's like but you got to remember people look at me weird and then he goes through this whole entourage i'm like okay so to me i didn't even realize that but it's educational now i get it now i yeah. understand okay it feels a little it feels a little weird i get it now let's let, let's have a conversation to fix this let's have um what, what do you call them um i call it like what speed dating let's have venues where you have the police two policemen in uniform which is you know of, of brass you have two rule activists the people that want to change not just spout off about all this and all that but that really one change and you have a room of a hundred people 10 10 tables 10 chairs out of those 10 chairs one chair is reserved for a policeman in plain clothes nobody knows who they are every 10 minutes all you do is talk about life and how it is and police this and people that and whatever every 15 minutes you change and then when you're done you reveal the policeman and say, what have each one of you learned today and how can we spread it to 10 people? It's not easy, but, but innocent people are dying and people are getting hurt and people are getting punished for things that don't have to be. Yeah. That's how I think you bridge it by having conversations. Yeah. And I agree. And that's why I, I enjoyed checking out your podcast and what you're doing because you're, you're having hard conversations and, I mean, even right now in real time, like expressing like you don't look, we don't know what we don't know. And, you know, as right. a, as a man of color, dude, I'm six foot four covered in tattoos. Like when when I see a cop behind me, it terrifies me right sure. now. Some of that some of that comes from growing up in, in the environment that I grew up in. And, and I'll be honest with you and people on this show knows I, I'm certainly right. not innocent of crime. So I have done some really right. bad things in my life. But, you know, today I look at it and I just simply think to myself. You know, we actually, and, and I don't think people really understand the truth of what I'm about to say. We live in the safest time in the history of the world. It's right. never been a safer time to be alive, but we also live in the most media fueled time in the history of the world. So anytime right. anyone ever does anything bad, it's highlighted, it's escalated to the point where everyone starts to show up and, and wave their flag against whatever that thing is. It's like, you know, but we're also human. 
I think one of the, the bigger disconnects is just understanding some of the foundations of, of police work, understanding that this country is built on slavery. And I mean, obviously, that's a very deep and depth conversation that I don't know we necessarily sure. need to go in right now. But I think you, you hit it right on the head. It's so much about the willingness to have the conversation. Like I fully anticipate just by having you on the show, there's going to be people who are going to be pissed off at me. But I think it's important because I look at the fact that we have to come together and we have to talk about incredibly difficult things, which is the foundation and the baseline of this show. So, Chris, as you go through this journey and as you're, you're stepping deeper into having these candid conversations, from just a police perspective and, and your, if you put your police hat on for a moment, what do you think is the most eye-opening thing that you've learned about yourself in doing this work? People could change people could change i mean my you know i grew up you know my relatives are polish and they came you know in the 50s and the 60s and all that you know interracial writing and stuff and how people felt about whatever and you kind of and you and you grow up in that environment um and you kind of i've learned to change i've learned to uh, i've learned to you know let people be people uh and here's a perfect example i mean i grew up catholic very homophobic back then you know it was oh my god it was it was frowned upon or whatever and then as i get in the police work you go to you go to homes where they have it's a homosexual couple with children which back in the day it was like oh my god it's like but but as you learn they are probably they're just parents it doesn't matter and and i go to heterosexuals where they knock the crap out of their kids kids are bleeding from the eyes punched in the face cut dipped in you know hot boiling water and it and 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 growing up it was you know homosexuals are bad and they can't be parents and blah 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 and then i've learned over time that they just want to be parents they're just parents and there are good and there are bad and people are people so i think what i've learned is that i don't care who you are what you did what you've done in your past it doesn't matter if you truly want to change people could change that's been my biggest lesson yeah you know i i fully agree with that and i look at my own life and it's like dude i i'm such a different person i mean even than i was yesterday right and i think that's sure. a part of the the journey and and that acknowledgement and and growing up and obviously there's an age discrepancy between you and i but i grew up in a very violent home Right. And I look at my life and I'm like, I'll, I'll never be violent towards a child. Right. And I've changed just the way I think about violence and self-talk and so many of those things in general. When when people I want to switch gears and go a little bit deeper into a conversation, because you mentioned something that I think will will probably shake people a little bit. And it's thinking about walking into these homes of these abused children right now. Obviously, the the framework and the baseline of this show is to help give people tools to overcome those awful experiences. We, we don't know each other that well, but I'll, I'll share one with you. When I was four years old, um, my mother, who was a drug addict, uh, she actually cut off my right index finger, right? And so growing up in an environment like that, it really shaped who I am. And now, obviously, it's shaped me where I use that as a story to help empower people. It doesn't destroy my life every day like it used to. But when you're when you're operating, what are what are some of the signs that people can look for if if kids are in danger, if if we need to have intervention from the police or from public service? Well, first, I'd like to. I'm so sorry you had to go through that because I've seen that throughout my years, and it's it's devastating. And I'm so glad that you've 
I've come to terms with it and grew and are using that story to help other people because it it's probably one of the most devastating calls. Um, but I think what you need, what people need to look for is you, know, you have all the tall tale signs of disheveled clothing, bruising. Um, they, um, they withdraw, they don't play well with others. They become violent on little things. Um, and I also think that people need to listen because kids will tell you in their own way, maybe not use the words, you know, mommy hit me or daddy hit me or, you know, uh, you know, mom slammed my fingers in a microwave or whatever. They won't tell you that way, but they'll use words. Like if, if little Tommy uses one word to describe something for six months, and then he uses another word to describe something that has to be a clue for somebody because they will tell you, even though they're afraid, that's why they won't tell you verbatim, but they will tell you in the way they look, the way they act and the way they speak. You just have to be cognizant and you've got to listen. What do you do with that information? So what I do, um, normally when I, when we get involved as, as the police, it's already, you know, we're there till, uh, DCF shows up and a grandparent, a pa another parent or a guardian. Um, so we see it till the kid's safe. What you do as a civilian is you report it. Cause here, here, here is my take on this. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get, probably get a flamethrower email from a thousand people. It goes to see something, say something. If you don't think something's right, say something. Take them to the concert. Cause if DCF showed up at my door, I'd be like, okay, what's up? Well, we got this report that this and this report that, okay, come on in, look around. What do you need? What, what, what do you need? Okay. It takes five minutes and then it can go away. All right. Um, but you have to, you just can't fly off the handle and start calling DCFS for every little thing. I think there's enough avenues where you can get enough people involved to make a, an, an educational decision, how far you take it, whether it's another teacher, a friend or whatever, run it past somebody, but take that information. And let's just say you're just like, mm -hmm. Okay, it's it's just it's just weird, but it doesn't rise to the level of just keep that in a back file of your head. Cause then the next time it happens, now you got two. Now we have to look at things a little deeper. But take that information, either store it or use it. Yeah. And and I think you you hit something right on the head. It's like you have to be willing to and, and look, you you might lose friends in this process. You might right. lose family members who are going to be pissed off at you because maybe it's not even what you think it is. But more often than not, it actually is what you think it is. And and I think that as as individuals, and and I think maybe that's really difficult because we we live in a very separated time, you know, mm -hmm. as opposed to ever before. And the dangers of abuse live in your cell phone now, and on the internet, and child trafficking. Um, I sponsor a, a nonprofit called OUR, Operation Underground Railroad, where they help rescue children from child trafficking. And it's like mm -hmm. they find kids from video games on phones, right? I mean, it's right. it's literally everywhere now. And so I think it is there's a level of diligence that that one must play in order to do that. And and recognizing that like reaching out to the the police is not a bad thing. I think that right. there's a conversation that I I've had in my head about this. So I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I was on the highway um, 
gosh, probably about a month ago. And it was later in the evening. It was probably like 10 o'clock at night. And, and you know somebody's drunk on the highway when they're driving on the shoulder at 10 right. o'clock at it's night. A it's a clue, right. Right. It, it might be a telltale <laughs> sign. And so I, I pick up my phone and, and I call the police. And, and for a moment, there's hesitation, right, Chris? Because there's a hesitation because I go, well, you know, what happens when? What happens if? And, and I think because of even the program I'm, I'm trying to move through, you know, through media, through television and movies and, and all the exposure I've had, it was like, okay, if I call the cops or will they hurt that guy? Will they kill that guy? Blah, blah. And then I, then I thought to myself for a second, well, wait a second. What if that guy causes a 10 car pile up and a pregnant woman yeah. dies and her kids are in the back of a car and things like that. Right. And, and I did, and I made the decision now. And one thing that I know, because I've done it before is like reported anonymously. They asked me my name. I said, I don't want to give you my name. It's anonymous. Go and find this guy. He's right here. How do you, you know, there, there are people who are just terrified to reach out. There are, there are women right now listening or men who are being abused in their home. They're, maybe their children are being hurt. You know, there's all of these different reasons why it would make sense to have police intervention. And, and a lot of it's in these very dangerous situations. Why do you think it is that people do not reach out in those moments, especially of danger and often, as you know, too late? And, and how can we give them some tools to feel safer to do so earlier? I think it's a, it, it's fear of repercussion. I think obviously the children don't reach out because the nerd, they're going to get the act out of them by whoever the abuser is. If they come in and they, by the time that the, the police or DCFs get there, they set the stage, they got milk in the fridge, you know, they've covered the bruises with turtlenecks or whatever. Um, you know, they had a chance to set the stage, but when that person or DCFS leaves or the police leave, they're going to get the snot knocked out. I think it's fear. The second thing is, I think it's also fear from an adult standpoint that they're afraid to lose friends. And, and listen, I've, I've done a number of things and just by what you're telling me, by getting out, you know, getting from where you were, uh, as a child to where you are now, it took a lot of self, uh, self-discipline, self-reflect, hard work, dedication. So for you to go, well, listen, I'm, if I lose a friend because I'm going to report something I think is an abusive situation or bad, and then so be it. I'll make another friend. I'm the same way. I'm not afraid to lose friends I, I'm for, for stuff that is so important to me. And I don't care what it is, whether it's, it's child abuse or uh, the, the, my view on, you know, whatever, you know, guns or abortion or whatever. I, I don't care. It's what I believe in. What I, I, I'm not afraid to lose friends. And I think if we get over the fear and realize the outcome can be this child will live another day. This person will not go down the road and kill a, a, a school bus, a school bus of children. And, um, I'm willing to lose that to gain this. Uh, I think that's over, you know, and number two, as far as like, like the whole, you know, are the police going to kill them or whatever? I think you and I could have a whole different show on that. Um, but statistically speaking, People make their own beds and they lie in them. And for you, for, for anybody to worry about the, the person who is committing a crime, driving drunk on the road, abusing a child, to, to get over that fear of what could happen to them based on their interaction with the police, you got to kind of put that aside because the probability of them getting hurt by the police is substantially lower than them hitting somebody and killing them or abusing a child till they die. 
Yeah. And one in five children die in their home today. Yep. yep. And that's a, that's a dev like even saying that stat just gave me the chills, man, because it's disgusting. And, it and I think, I, I think about the, the truth that we can come together and we can create change and we can heal and we can help each other be, be better human beings. Um, as we go in, please not to interrupt, but look at it this way as policemen. And I think just as a human, as a human race, we should, we should, and I do take an oath to defend people that can't defend themselves, adults, um, you know, whomever. But ultimately, a child who is extremely defenseless that doesn't even can't even use words, that is so that that's so that that is so powerful inside me to make sure that they can, that they, that they are defended and they are able to grow as best they can into the best pillars of society. That's that 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 just it, it just it gives me a lot of motivation. What about that drives you? I think what the thing that drives me the most is I just never did like bullies. And I don't care if, you know, you, you don't, you're picking on somebody because they don't dress the same way. They can't defend themselves because they come from a poor family, a, a black family, Hispanic family. Um, you know, the, uh, I've, I've seen it all interracial marriages. Um, your, your shoes are too big. You, your pants are too short. You don't have the same purse. I, I've seen it all. And for me, I just, don't like bullies. I just don't because everybody is their own individual and should be able to live the way they want to live. That's yeah. what drives me. Yeah, I agree. Now, what was that because you experienced bullying as a child or was it just, you just felt like you wanted to stand up for people? Um, I don't, I don't want to say bullying because I really was never bullied because I was a bigger kid and, you know, and I, uh, I played football and stuff, but it was, I guess, I, I, I mean, I guess you could say it was a sense of bullying, but it was more of a mental thing because I didn't want to go to parties. I wanted to, I wanted to work. I wanted to work on my business. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to go out and get five more houses to cut grass so I could charge five bucks and pay guys three and make two. Or, you know, I didn't want to go out and get, get drunk or whatever. I wanted to work on this and work on myself and, um, and so it was more, it was more that, that I wanted to be me. I didn't want to be anybody else. And I think a lot of people took that, felt like I was kind of, kind of weird, kind of different, um, especially growing up, like everybody's going to parties and, you know, doing whatever they do. And I'm like, I just want to go home and sleep because I want to get up and, you know, work on my business or be an entrepreneur. And I think that, so that kind of draw, drove me because um, I wanted to be me. I want to be the best part of me or the best product of me I can because I get one shot at this. And I think that for me, it kind of drove me through high school because, I, I, and again, I, I, if you were to call it bullying, it was like mental bullying. But um, I mean, obviously, don't ever beat me up or whatever. But um, I think that's what, that that's what kind of gave me my, my drive to like let people be, the, be who they are. They get one shot at this and let them do it the way they want. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we do have to give each other the space to, to step into whatever it is that you decide is best for you. When, when you were growing up, did, did that sense of, so I grew up in Boy Scout and I felt, this is weird. You've, you've seen this, but most people probably don't relate. I grew up a Boy Scout in the hood. It's a very strange experience, right? Right. And, right. And, but, it, but it played a, a really beautiful, important role in my life. I thought I was going to go into the military. I destroyed my knee. I couldn't get in. 
also I graduated with a 1.2 GPA, so they weren't going to let me in anyway. Um, right. and I didn't have a high school diploma. <laughs> so my, 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 my sense of service as a kid was like, all right, well, I can't do that. So whatever, how, how do you think people just in the day to day can be of more service to their family, their friends, their communities? Cause I think most people think to be of service, they have to be a firefighter or a cop or in the public service. But, you know, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. So how can people be of better service just in the day to day? I just think, I mean, you don't have to be a firefighter or a paramedic or a policeman or whatever to be in service. You just have to be a good person and be able to help people. I mean, and, and just, and, and speak your truth and speak your story. I mean, I'm not ashamed to tell my parents that I love them dearly, but I didn't want to live check to check and, you know, and whatever. And I go out and I strive to do that. Um, you know, whether it's nephews or nieces or people on the street that, um, that are like, well, you know, I may not, or I don't want to, or whatever, just be there for them and be a sounding board, be a positive role model. Like if this is something you don't want to do, don't do it. If you do want to do it, do it. I'm here for you. I think to be of service, you have to treat people well, try and bless people if you're blessed, be there for people and point them in the right direction. You don't have to carry a gun or put out fires. You just got to be a, a civilized, good human being that when people need some assistance, you're there for them or offer it for free to whomever. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and you said something about like speaking your truth, like being honest. And I, I think a lot of people are afraid to do that. And and it sounds to me like you've had the the privilege or luck maybe, right, of being able to step into that from a young age. For me, it took... I mean, I'm probably still figuring it out today, right? Sure. And I think a lot of people are, but but Absolutely. what how do you kind of step into that? How do you how do you actually own and speak your truth, especially if you know it might upset somebody? Because I dude, I piss people off all the time, so I get it. <laughs> you and me both, bro. You and me both. I just think that you have to be comfortable with it and you don't get emotional about it and you speak your and you speak you speak from the heart. I just think that this is me and we could and and allow you to have your opinion. But yet we're still civilized human beings that can be friends just with different opinions. But the goal is the same, whether you're talking about, you know, world peace or, you know, maybe, you know, um, you know, going into your community and reducing crime in this community or reducing teen pressure, whatever it is, just because you have a different idea of it and I have a different idea of it, that doesn't mean we don't have the same goal in common. But we can hopefully sit down and you'll be able to give up a little. I'll be able to give up a little, meet someplace in the, in the middle and solve this. So for me, it's just going, what is your end goal? And don't, don't deviate from your true self. And I think if you run into enough people, there are going to be a majority of the people that actually want to sit down and talk. But if you give them the avenue not to be afraid and not go, you know, that's ridiculous. And go, okay, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't agree because of this. I think if you actually sit down and give people the avenue that where they can speak their mind and speak the truth and listen, don't let that. They don't have to be afraid. I think that's that, that that's a big part of it. Don't why, why should people be afraid? Why should you be afraid to tell me how you feel or how you grew up or or you know that you're afraid when you get pulled over by the police? Why? Okay, let's talk through it. There's been times I've been on stops with people that I was on. I've been out there for. I was out there for 15 minutes on a basic 
uh, cell phone or whatever. And as soon as the young man said, you know what? I was scared I was going to get shot. Okay, guess what? Here's the deal. You're not going to get shot because you don't have a gun, right? No. Do you want to kill me? No. Okay. I was out there for 15 minutes having discussion with this young man. And by the time we were done, we shook hands. He had my personal cell phone number. Now that young man is going to go out and talk to 10 other people about, hey, I understand that why you're scared. I get it. But here's what you could do and tell your friends to do this and it'll all go a lot smoother. So I take 10 minutes out of my day to help to ease somebody's fear. Now, guess what? The next policeman he, he talks to, if he's afraid of something, he'll have a conversation with him. Yeah, that's powerful. And, and I do think it's community-based, right? And it's conversational and it's about the willingness to have hard conversations. I mean, that's literally why you're here right now because I want to have a hard conversation. And I know this conversation is hard because we're talking about child abuse and we're talking about being a police. We're talking about this huge discrepancy between both of our worlds. I mean, like you look at this and it's, you know, I, I think constantly, especially when it comes to the show, I'm, I'm like, I want to not only understand for me, but I want this audience and I want the people who consume this to just think about the possibility that maybe what we believe isn't true. And we lived in a, we live in a country. I don't know if you've ever read mindset by Carol Dweck, but it's arguably the greatest book ever written. And we live in a country, especially in the United States in which everyone is so like standing on their hill about something specifically. And it's right. like, wait a second, that's the ultimate fixed mindset. It's the ultimate fixed mindset to pigeonhole people into something because of how they look, how they talk, how they act, their career, what it is that they do, as opposed to just realize like there's 8 billion people on right. planet earth. We're not right. going to agree with each other on everything. Chris, I'm right. sure you and I probably don't agree on a lot of things, but we probably agree on right. a lot of things. And I, I think it's in right. the discourse in which we can figure that out. One of the things I was curious that I, I want to kind of go back to as we progress in the conversation that I, I thought was really interesting. And I, I think that this holds true for a lot of people. They, they want to be of public service. I have many friends who are teachers who are amazing people. I have friends who are police officers who are amazing people. I have people, I have friends and my little brother is right now. He just literally today text me right before this conversation that he passed his test for the uh, Indianapolis fire department and he wants Sweet. to be of service. And I'm super excited about that. And I love everyone who wants to be of service. I don't love that they're poor. And right. so one right. of the things right. that I want, I want to go right. into is you know, you talked about this idea that you're able to be entrepreneurial and have this job and and build wealth in your life and not have to suffer through, hey, we didn't we didn't sign the check so we get electricity for 10 days. One of my big missions in life is to empower people with the tools also to not live in poverty. And as inflation goes up and as cost of goods go up, like this ain't slowing down. And we right. need ways for people to become financially stable often independently of their career of choice. So what I'm really curious about for, for really everyone is how do you kind of step into that arena where you, you're able to both have this career and this thing that you're driven by, but also go and build something else to create financial stability in your life? Well, I think it, it starts off with a goal and a passion. Like what, what and, and my father gave me the best advice when I was, when I was growing up. And he said, to be the person you want to be, figure out what you don't want to be hmm. and be what you want to be and, and do what you want to do. And that's kind of like where I took that from because it, I did, I didn't want to do these things. So 
what is my avenue? What's the reverse engineering to do it? And that's what I did. Fear is the second thing. Trust me. I had a child on the way, um, house, mortgage, cars, married. And when I decided to be a policeman and then start this large entrepreneur journey and make that leap. Um, but I just had to take it in perspective. I had to work and then come home and work and then, you know, make time for my family and everything. I just think if you do it in a systematic manner where you can devote a little bit to, to, to everything, um, and I will not even a little bit, but if you sit down with your, with your own self or your partner or, and just say, Hey, look at, this is what I want to do. This is where I'm going to go. We have to set a schedule and you truly want it and you don't give up and you don't let fear take over. I think you'll do it. Now, don't get me wrong. It may not be in, you know, like, look, at I just started my coaching business. Do I know, do I know if that this is going to take off? No, I don't. But you know what? It's something that I thought I could be a service and something I'm very passionate about to help people become successful, just like you, just to not live in poverty. Maybe I could help. Guess what? I'm going to give it a shot. Um, I think if you just, you, if you go out there and you try and trust me, you will fail. Things are, go, are not going to work out. Now I'm not talking about failing where you're going to lose your house, your car or whatever, as long as you set it up right, but stuff is not going to take off as fast as, or whatever. Just keep going. If it's really something you want and you're passionate about, just keep going. Fear is going to be there. It's just, I, and I don't care. I don't care what you do, where you go coming on this podcast. I'm, I'm fearful. You know, going to hit the next house, I'm fearful. Um, you know, starting this other business, I'm fearful. I mean, so things are fearful, but you just have to meet them head on as best you can and do it. Yeah. And where do you think that support plays a role in this? Like where, where do you, I think most people think they have to do this stuff on their own, right? For, for you, what, what does that mean? I mean, I, for support, I think for me, it's, for my wife, my wife doesn't really have an entrepreneurial mindset, but she knows that I got to be me. She looks at me like I got nine heads. Um, she doesn't understand, but she lets me be me. And then I engage with people who have that mindset. And it just gives you, it gives you motivation. It gives you encouragement and stuff like that. And again, I also think, you know, with the people that don't necessarily, um, think the way you think if they have if you have their support of by like okay crazy uh you do you um i'll you know and then and and like here my my daughter and my wives they have they have they'll come in and say hey dad come on time out let's do an hour or whatever and they have every right to do where i'm sure when we first started they were afraid to you know but you've got to talk about it and that's where i think that's where your support comes from i think your support comes from people that love you and either are like, hey, you know, your cheerleader or they let you do you. And then you, you have these other people that you're networking and your friends and everything that are there from a entrepreneur standpoint, life standpoint that are there to support you. Yeah. And it sounds to me like so much about that is about community, right? And coming yes. together and, and recognizing that, you know, at least for me, and this is what I think about every single day is like, I can't do any of this on my own, right? Cool. And I can't have hard conversations without having the support of people who are willing to sit down across from me and have the hard conversation. And it, it's so reciprocal because, you know, I, I think we often feel like we're on an island, right? We're by ourselves. Yeah. Nobody gets us. Nobody understands. It's like, well, that's that's actually not as true as you want 
to believe it is. Right, right. It's it's really fascinating how supportive people will be. I mean, because you know, you think about sitting down and and getting into the the real truth about life, and it's like we're we're all trying to figure this out together. We right. we don't know what we're doing. Right, and I just think the other. I mean, support also comes from being able to sit down and have this conversation because I'm. All right, let's just take, I'm boots on the ground. I see that there is a, a majority of crime and babies being born without fathers in the black community, okay? A lot of recidivism for people going back to jail. Well, let's, let's just take jail. Well, well listen, we build roads. And, and this is from a guy who doesn't know, you know I've, I've learned about the culture, but I'm not in the culture. Well, listen, if, if we know, we know that people go to jail, black, black men go back to jail more often than most people. Well, then why don't we set up a program? We build roads, right? You get 300, 300 men that are in jail and you teach them to build a road. They go out there and they work with these companies. They do their time one, you know, they do their time. They get up to at work at five. They go out, they learn to build roads. They come back at six. They get paid $30 an hour, just like anybody else. Every week they sit down with a financial person and they're like, okay, you made $500. And I don't care what the numbers are. It costs you a dollar a week to stay in the county jail. It costs you $2 because you have children. It costs you $3 for food. This, that, okay. At the end, this is what you have and this is what you should go do. Okay. Then when they get out, these young men have a skill. They have, they feel better about themselves that they don't, have to go do crime to survive. Now, are they going to go build roads? Who knows? But guess what? Now, if they go work at Best Buy or they go work at Jewel or they go, or they want to go to school because they know what to get happen. Why aren't we doing that? Again, and this is just something we know where the problems are. And I think by having the hard conversations with people that you don't know about, like, why can't we fix this? Because to me, any problems could be fixed because there's always a solution. Why are we not getting, why is it? And again, this could be a whole nother show, but I think the support also comes from conflict where we can have that conversation. And guess what? When we're done, there's a solution to the problem because you, know, you would know more about stuff than I would in some aspect, right? Yeah. Well, and you know, and I, there are people who are making strides at doing exactly what you're talking about. And there are people who are uh, attempting to create massive change in the world, but you, uh, in this, and again, I think this is a long conversation that probably right. is best suited on another venue, but you know, you right. look at the prison industrial system, my uncle, who is a white man, um, is in prison for life, three strike right. rule gone forever. Right. right? And it's like right. his, his life is forever away because of his decisions. And, and also because of the lack of education and the lack of resources sure. and tools and supplies and, and drugs in this country and addiction and pharmaceuticals. And, you know, the list goes right. on and on and on. And I, I wish it were as easy as just sitting down and be like, oh, this is the idea. Let's go execute against it. But, you know, there, there are environments and, and I think it would be dismissive not to say that the, for some people, the cards are stacked against them. Statistically, I, me personally, I should be dead or in jail, period. Yes. Period. Okay. And, right. and I'm not, and that only comes from decisions that I've made a little bit of luck too, not just to be straight up, you know, but, but mainly because of decisions. And I think about if we can empower people and let them know that there's another way, 
And again, that's just like this conversation. We're just, we're having yeah. a discourse about another way to think about it because I don't but, want people to be in fear. But that's what I'm saying, Mike, Michael. I'm saying that you, you, you made choices and decisions. And I'll tell you what, I don't believe in luck. I don't. I believe mm -hmm. in the fact that you made the choices to create your luck. Luck. Okay. It just, it doesn't, it's, it, you did that. Okay. You made the right choices and, you know, were you in the right place at the right time sometimes? Sure. But guess what? That was by your choices and your decisions. But I digress. Anyway, but, but you did it. Why are we not like you and I? Why are we not sitting down with people who can make better decisions? Because you lived it. I've seen it. I have ideas. You have ideas. And getting these venues out there. But what do we see? 52 shot in Chicago, 72 shot here, you know, you know, uh, looting and rioting and all this, all this stuff. Why do we see the problems and no solutions? And, and listen, we're not going to get it done with one conversation, but guess what? You and I sit down and we had this conversation. We're not going to, we're, we're not going to solve it, but guess what? We're going to have a basis to start addressing one issue. I don't care what that issue is, whatever it is, we have a basis to start an issue. I understand you. You understand me. People see the proof that you did it. Bro, you had all the stat car stats against you, bro. I mean, like you said, you should be in jail or dead. Everything was stacked against you, Michael, but you came through. But that story needs to be told. And that story needs to be told on a bigger level. That story needs to be told where you're looking at it through a policeman's eyes. So you could further. And that's what I'm saying. It's so it's there. But I think that what needs to be embraced is that people can't, and this can change. It's not going to be easy, but I think the fear of, well, this can't change. Or if, if I go up and shake a policeman's hand, or if I go out to lunch with Michael or whatever, that I'm going to be viewed this way or that way. I don't give a, because guess what? I get up in the morning. I thank God for a blessed day. I'm above ground and not in jail. I go out and I do my thing. I come home, take care of my family. Be, be a good friend, be a good father, be, be a good person, try and make somebody else's day better. I thank God for the full day and I go to bed. I don't give, I don't care what people think, but I do know that I want to make, I want to make a positive impact that day. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the same. And that's why when, when I decided to bring you on the show, I thought to myself, if, if there's one thing I hope people will take away from this conversation and really obviously not knowing what it is. This isn't scripted. You and I are having a conversation. I thought to myself, the one thing I hope is that at least we could plant a seed. At least we could have a conversation in a way that is hopefully enlightening to people for one thing only. And, you know, not by my own forced hand have we landed here, but my thought was, my only hope in this conversation is that we could help erase some of the fear of people reaching out for help and support from law enforcement when they're in danger in their home or when their kids are in danger. And, and my hope is that that's the one thing they take away. The, the conversation about the other elements, dude, we're going to need a long, <laughs> need a long time to get into that. But, but my, my hope is today that the, the person listening right now whose child is being abused or the, the wife that's being hurt or the husband that's being abused because men get abused too, right, sure. is, that, is that they'll be willing to pick up the phone for support, whether it's law enforcement or someone else to, to help in that situation. My, right. my last I, before I, I say one more go ahead. I would say one more thing with that. Don't just stop at your local at your local 
um, police or your local um, abuse places or uh, your police. There's federal, county, state. There are more venues that you can call if you feel that you are abused and you're not getting the satisfaction from a local, uh, from a local government. Please, there's more venue. Local, federal, state, county, please. There are other avenues to get help. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I love that. And, and thank you for adding that because I, I think it's really important. Um, Chris, I, I want to thank you for being on the show. Before I ask you my, my last question, tell everyone where they can find you and learn more about your podcast. So my podcast is 3copstalk.com. The number 3copstalk.com Gmail uh, is also if you have a suggestion for a show or you want to be a guest, number 3copstalk at gmail.com. And then obviously wherever you get your podcasts, um, three cops talk, uh, please download, listen, subscribe. And seriously, if you have any ideas, reach out to me. Um, you know, and if you want to, you know, there's some life help. Uh, I just started my coaching business, uh, the coaching cop. You can find that everywhere through coaching cop at gmail or com. But, um, seriously, reach out to me anywhere so we can start having these conversations because it's as much as people don't think that this is true. It, it's hard for cops to go out each and every day to see the, the shenanigans that are happening. Then we could have solutions. Yeah, I love it. And, and hopefully more conversations like this will lead us down that path. Uh, my last question for you, my friend, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? What it means to me to be unbroken is you have to be you. You have to stand up for who you are, what you believe in, where you want to go, and you have to allow it to be a safe place for other people to be themselves and let them get to where they're going and help them along the way. That's unbroken. Brilliantly said, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review, and you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.